Welcome back to the Vet SOS Show, uh, brought to you by the Hoonio Network. Remember, don't drown the sea of transition. Grab the Vet SOS Lifeline. We are here for a second episode with Mark Overberg, the Director of Army Retirement Services. Uh, in the first episode, Mark talked to us about the pre-retirement process, things that go into the, the planning part for retirement. Um, now, we're going to talk a little bit about the post-retirement because it, it doesn't necessarily stop once you retire, right? There's other things that still come into play, right, Mark? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and I have to say, this is one of the unique things that the Army does. It's a little bit different than the other services. So when, uh, my job is basically to do two things for the Army, is to prepare soldiers for retirement. And then once they retire, to take care of them and their surviving spouses for the rest of their lives. So we, we put these two, through two things together and out in the field at the installations, at the uh, National Guard headquarters and the reserve readiness divisions, we have what we call retirement services officers. And these are full-time uh, personnel who are there to, to do this whole thing, to pick people up, help them prepare and then take care of them for the rest of their lives. Okay. Um, on the uh, installations, these are GS civilian employees. There are a few of them that are contractors. And then in the, uh, the garden reserve, they're uh, uniform service members. Uh, so we put these two uh, aspects together. And so our um, retirement planning newsletter is called change of mission. And the reason we called it that is because we want service members to understand that when you leave, when you retire from the military, you're still on the army team. The army still needs you and you have a mission. So what happens when you retire is your mission changes. So no longer are you training to deploy and win our nation's wars, but the mission becomes once you're retired to hire and inspire. Um, we, we want people to retired soldiers to to help veterans get jobs, find employment. We want uh, them to connect with Americans where they live and inspire them because 50% of Americans say that they know nothing about the military. And that has a big impact on the second part of inspire, which is to inspire youth to join the military as we did. We're having, you know, army, no, no, uh, not divulging any secrets here right now the army's having a little bit of a challenge with uh with recruiting part of that is because americans don't know about military service and so what, what we want retired soldiers to do is to connect with americans where they live where they work where they go to church in their neighborhoods and help tell the story and un help americans understand what it is that military service does for a person. I was reading a, a Pew uh, research uh, study recently, uh, and it tracks the income level for veterans as compared to the civilian counterparts. Uh, and, and that's, I mean, I can't quote you all the exact numbers right now, but but over, over the last 20 years, uh, it's shown that veterans do better financially than non-veterans, and it's significant. Uh, so, Oh, looks like we mar lost Mark again. <laughs> Power. Uh, you got to love that. So that, that's a that's a great point. So I, I love going to like high school football games, uh, especially, you know, the local high school or whatever. A lot of fun. 
And typically, you'll see the National Guard or recruiting commander, somebody out there at the games. But I've always lived in a military town. Uh, is that, you know, I, I think if I don't know if we're doing that nationwide, but I think it's a great opportunity, you know, because people around the country love football and they're always going to the high school games. So uh, if the local National Guard and uh, recruiting commands could get out there and support that at the games, I think that's one way we could definitely get, you know, more of a word out. Absolutely. And, but, and, and recruiters, typically Army recruiters, are, are the younger E5s and E6s, the sergeants and staff sergeants, because they can relate to the, the people that they are uh, trying to recruit. Um, but sometimes the, uh, the parents, the coaches, the teachers who also influence our youth to join may not be supportive of that or may not may not recommend it because they just don't know. And so that's where, you know, somebody like me who can talk to a principal or talk to a coach, you know, and, and help them uh, understand what military life is about so they can maybe offer that as a, a, a possible career or at least a way to get ahead. No, I, I, yeah, I think that'd be great. Uh, so as you were describing the way, you know, the, the retirees are, or I'm sorry, retired soldiers are viewed. For me, it, it makes it sound like the army is making more of a push to almost customer service in the sense of providing good customer service to the army retired soldiers so that they're continuing to help once they get out. You know, I'm a big proponent of customer service and I, and I try to approach most jobs with a customer service standpoint, trying to help the people. And that's kind of the feel I get for how you're describing, you know, we take care of those army retired soldiers as they move out. And then hopefully they're helping us bring more people in. Is that sort of the mindset there? Or? Yeah. So what, what we're really doing here is, is trying to change the culture so that uh, when when service members, either through ETS or retirement, leave, uh, we're trying to convey to them that they're the Soldier for Life mindset. You may have heard of the Soldier for Life program. And so the Soldier for Life mindset is, yes, once you leave, you're still a soldier. You're a soldier for life. That's um, especially true of the, uh, of the retired soldiers. Uh, and so we want to help them transition better so that they go and speak for us out there. Uh, and you brought up another point, and, and I, I appreciate your, your catching it. Um, that's one of the uh, key points. You use the term retiree. And, and we try not to use that term anymore. We're, again, it's a cultural thing. Many people just talk that and say it without thinking about it. The reason we use the term retired soldier is because, again, you're a soldier for life. And so when you retire, we don't want to call you a retiree because that applies, that name applies to every civilian who retires. Um, you're still a soldier for life. And so we're not going to take the title soldier away from you. So we're going to call you a retired soldier just because we need to uh, differentiate you from an active duty soldier, from a National Guard soldier, an Army Reserve soldier. Now you're a retired soldier. And actually the, the retired community, the Army's retired community, I sometimes call it the Army's fourth component, is larger than the other three components combined. So if you add up the active duty, the Guard and Reserve, it's about a million. There are more than one million retired soldiers out there. And so that's a, an underutilized resource that the Army is trying to now realize. 
if we can get some retired soldiers to help us out, help with recruiting and other things, you know, they can be our advocates because they live everywhere. Oh, not just cool. not just on basis. That's good. So, Mark, glad to see you back. Looks like Murphy's hanging out in your office today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He just walked by. So, um, yeah, lost lost power to the building, I guess, temporarily and had to get the Internet connection back up. Um, I just caught keyed in on what you just said, Mark, which is all of the network, right, that is out there of people that have gone through this journey, right? And that's our parent network, the who you know, job networking show. It's all about, well, not as much what you know, but maybe more who you know. Um, what is the Army doing? Because I know that there's other veteran service organizations that are out there that are, are helping engage with corporations on hiring, right? How to translate some of the skill sets or identify that translation of the skill sets um, with people that, you know, have retired. What is the army, is the army doing anything to engage with those public sector entities, right? To help maybe further that mission. Absolutely. Uh, and I'll try to, there's a number of things. So I'm going to try to remember to, to touch on all of them. Uh, one of the big ones, and this was created, uh, about 10 years ago by uh, General Odierno when he was the chief of staff, he created the Soldier for Life office. And, and the mission of the Soldier for Life office, which used to be in the Army G1, it just recently transferred to TRADOC headquarters. Um, the mission of the Soldier for Life office is to be that face between the Army and everybody who wants to help, the sea of goodwill. Those are the, you know, the companies that want to hire veterans, the unions that want to help uh, veterans get jobs, the community uh, partnerships and, and community collaboratives. Uh, there's a lot of, of goodwill out there, but those folks in the civilian areas don't really know how to access us and how to, how to find the veterans. And so the Soldier for Life office is trying to uh, make it easier. And they've actually done a, a a good job in 2011 the, uh, the United States Army paid out 515 million dollars in unemployment compensation so when a service member leaves and doesn't get a job and goes on unemployment the Army pays for that out of current dollars same dollars that we use to pay for training equipment uh, and salaries and so that's a problem the the amount of work that's been put in both uh, by civilians helping and then by the soldier for life office over the last uh, several years the unemployment compensation costs is down to uh, about 90 million a year so about 80 percent of it has been reduced and part of that is of course you know uh, an economy that's doing well uh, helps that as well um, so so that's one of the big things that we're doing to reach out. Others is to prepare them through the transition assistance program and through retirement planning, preparing people to to go out. Uh, and then, you know, once if, if you're the idea is if you're taken care of well, when you leave, you'll feel more like a soldier and you'll talk about the experiences that you had and those things that service just provides you. Um, and I'm not talking just necessarily technical skill, but the leadership skills, the soft skills, the uh, the, the discipline, the uh, energy level, those kind of things. 
Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That even even the uh, even just the and it's it's almost could be identified as a skill, but the camaraderie component, right? Um, it, it's more of a it's more of a thing. But I, I think that as far as that goes, um, your office in that program shifting because the Marines kind of have that, right? You know, kind of like once a Marine, always a Marine uh, type mentality. But shifting that into these other branches, I think is key, right? Because, you know, you, you get out and I've seen, I've met other people that are, we're in the air force and, you know, we've got that, that connection. Um, but you know, there's not necessarily always that camaraderie, right. Feeling. And so I think that, um, shifting that mentality, shifting that mindset for people that are getting or have already been out of the military on how they can help. Like you said, the sea of goodwill, not everybody's open and participating in that. And I think that every service member that is retired from the service should be part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and so if, if, if we have more people to help, each person has to do less. Um, and, uh, you know, service to the country is, is a good thing. And we certainly want uh, people, and, and not everybody's going to come into the military, uh, but, but uh, you know, we, we need our share to, to keep the nation strong. Yeah, well, that's absolutely true. Um, so in listening to what the Army's doing and trying to do um, with, with the retired soldiers, it got me thinking, you know, I have a couple degrees from different schools, and I always get emails or letters from the school either asking for donations or to participate in something or what have you. So what happened? Is the army going to be going that way? And what happens if I just want to be left alone? What when I retire? You know, if I don't want to, you know, hey, I did my time. Thanks. Just send me my check. I don't. I don't want to. I mean, is that okay? Or you know, is there a deeper thing there that that should be involved? So if if you've done your complete term of service and you've retired and and you just you just you just want to be left alone and and, and retire, that's fine. Um, of course, you know. There are some provisos and things. Um, retired soldiers uh, are subject to recall. I mean, that's part of the deal. Uh, you can be recalled to active duty should we should we need it. But that that so generally that doesn't that doesn't happen. The only time that that would happen in an involuntary capacity is if there was a major war and we needed your skill set. Um, we do do voluntary recalls. Um, I'll give you a great example, and, and this is really the soldier for life mindset in action. You remember in, in early 2020 when the pandemic hit mm -hmm. and uh, everything was shutting down, all of a sudden we had uh, uh, a lot of health problems and health issues. And so what did the nation do? They looked to the military for help to... Uh, to staff, they put the, uh, I think it was the USS Comfort, I think was up there on the West Coast near Seattle. Uh, we had uh, we had the Army operating um, uh, uh, tent uh, hospitals in New York City uh, and a couple other places. Um, and we had to push a lot of our uh, healthcare folks, our doctors, our nurses, um, medics, out to uh, civilian uh, hospitals and things to help 
because you know we're trained for that kind of stuff you know and, and being able to to operate in austere environments uh, and when things are challenging 24-hour operations so we augmented the civilian population but we didn't have enough of our own docs and medics etc to do that uh, and so we had to reach back into the uh, the retired community and ask for voluntary uh, uh, recalls. And we had over 250 uh, doctors and nurses uh, come back onto active duty and, and support the, the COVID need. That's an example of wow. the mindset and, and what retired soldiers can do. I, I remember that. I remember when all that happened. I remember a lot of talk about it just within the service as well. Uh, and I have in the early days of Iraq and Afghanistan, I, I did meet a few that didn't really get a vote in their recall <laughs> so much. At least that's the story they told us as young soldiers and they weren't overly happy about it. Um, but, you know, be that as it's may, they, they did their duty. They, they did the deployment. They came back and then they went and retired. Uh, so all, all is well that ends well, I guess. I know that, um, or I have heard recently right, that enlistments are way down. Is recall something that may be considered in, a, in an instance like this or a situation that we're in? Generally, what we use recalls for right now is to fill uh, niches uh, where we have uh, a certain skill set that we don't have or we need more of. And so we'll use... Uh, the retired community will reach out, do a targeted, uh, you know, invitation to certain MOSs and things like that to come back. Um, so for the most part, that's how we're doing it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, that's a word nobody wants to hear is recall or stop law. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 let me, let me go back to that. Uh, tell you the rest of the story. Um, what we did, and, and we've, we're refining our systems so we don't have to do this again. Um, but when we decided we needed to recall, we wanted primarily people in the medical uh, areas for COVID. We didn't have a system that would allow us to target just that those MOSs and, and, and send a targeted message just to them. We're actually now starting to, to get that online. So what we had to do is we had to send a blast out um, through the, uh, the connections that we have. Um, retired soldiers are required to let us know where they're living and, and we also have access through their retired pay to their emails. And so we sent a blast out to about 750,000 retired soldiers and said, hey, look, uh, we're looking for people for a voluntary recall. We want people in the medical MOSs. You know, if you're interested, here's the email. Send a, a, an email to Human Resources Command and tell them you're interested. Uh, we got uh, 30,000 soldiers sent an email to, to HRC and said, yes, I'm interested in coming back. I'm interested in recalling me. Tell me more. What do you need? And, and so we had discussions with 30,000 retired soldiers. Oh. Now, oh. We, we didn't, most of them, unfortunately, weren't in the medical MOSs that we were looking for. Uh, so a lot of that, you know, we thanked them for volunteering, you know, and we had to then sort through the ones who were medical and find the specific skill sets that we needed. 
but we got to, you know, anytime we reach out to the retired community, we generally get a very positive re response. That's fantastic. That's kind of why I call them the fourth component. You know, they're, they're out there for us. You don't get the take me off your distro uh, email? <laughs> <laughs> no, and we wouldn't do that anyway. <laughs> I, I, I'm one of those that I like to do that every once in a while to my captain. Just to, you know, hey, please take me off your distro. That's, um, that's interesting to hear because, you know, I, I was a medic. Right. So I was a medic in the Air Force, but I was a medic and I don't know how their force um, force numbers are doing. But, um, yeah, that is interesting. I don't, if they were involved with that as well, similar to the Army, um, I, you know, I would have hit 25 in 2020. So it, there's probably a chance that, you know, I could have been part of that that program or part of that offer. Um, okay. That's very interesting to hear. So. One topic that is near and dear to everybody's heart, and I know it's something, Mark, that you deal with probably on a regular basis, is the current inflation rate and, and how that's impacting everybody. So when you look at the retired soldier standpoint, at least I learned from my dad, who's retired Navy, that he gets a cost of living adjustment usually once a year, depending, it may fluctuate how much, but um, is there anything that the Army's looking at as far as, or DOD, I guess, in general, looking at for COLA adjustments when it comes to the inflation? You, you know, that's, that's a great question. Um, inflation has been low for so long, people have forgotten the how big of a scourge inflation can really be and how that impacts your budget. Uh, and so that's really one of the benefits of being uh, retired from the military. It's one of those selling points uh, because we receive a cost of living adjustment every year based off of the inflation rate. Uh, and so uh, some pensions, civilian pensions, don't have that. Uh, and so that's one of the benefits we have. So I was just looking uh, a couple weeks ago because inflation has, uh, has gone up considerably in the last year. And the, the inflation rate, the Consumer Price Index for Urban Wage Earners, CPIW, that's what we use, um, for the previous 12 months was 9.1%. So it, we, we won't know what the COLA raise will be for uh, January yet. Um, we won't know that till after they do September's numbers. But it's probably going to be somewhere in the depending on what happens, you know, eight, nine, 10% area. So, so what does the COLA affect? Well, by law, it, it increases your retired pay. If you're receiving um, VA disability compensation, it increases that. If you're receiving uh, combat related special compensation, it increases that. If you are a surviving spouse who is re receiving the survivor benefit plan, um, it increases that. So it really uh, keeps inflation from cutting into those benefits that you've earned. That, that's really good because you know, I know when you get out of the military, you're, you're counting on the retirement pay. Um, it's part of your budget, part of your plan, determining how much you need. But then inflation hits, and that's not necessarily a number that you you, you – you don't know what's going to happen with that. So it's good to hear that the army or DOD in general has a plan in that aspect. And that's, that's really good. Absolutely. Um, another thing I've noticed here lately, 
And, and I want to comment specifically with you on something I saw, but I've seen a lot more senior leaders in the Army specifically out on LinkedIn. Uh, a lot of the, the generals, um, someone like, uh, I, I forget the general's name, but the one at Fifth Army in San Antonio, uh, I was stationed there. So I, I tend to follow that base. Uh, the 10th Mountain CG has been on there. But then also you as part of the Army staff, you know, I, I saw a comment where someone retired and made a comment about the way the package arrived and how it was kind of substandard. Um, and you jumped right in about, hey, that's not the standard. That, that is not how we do business. Um, so I guess a two-part question. One, why are more senior leaders and, and senior staff out there on LinkedIn? Uh, and two, um, it, what's the benefit that you guys are seeing from that? Well, I, I can't speak uh, for other other senior leaders. I can I can guess as to why that they feel it's important to to engage. Me personally, uh, one of the things that I feel uh, when you sit at the Pentagon, everything is rosy. Everything is wonderful. You know, uh, all these wonderful policies that we write are great, um, but. It's not until you get out there and see where you know the rubber meets the road, you see the friction uh, of how things are actually getting implemented, and that, that you don't understand that hmm, maybe it's not working the way I thought it was, or maybe we need to tweak this. So I personally like to engage on LinkedIn. Mostly I hear good stuff and positive stuff, but occasionally not. Uh, and so especially when it's something in my policy lane, I want to know about that. And so I, I feel we have to engage. Um, it's, uh, you know, I also, like next week, I'll be at uh, uh, Fort Stewart for their retiree appreciation day. Uh, and so, and then in October, I'll be at, at uh, retiree appreciation days across Europe. It's how I get out of the office and, and engage with the retired community to make sure I understand, are we taking care of them or not? And so that's why I'm on LinkedIn. I, I, I don't want to sit back in the office and think everything's wonderful. I want to know, is it, and do we need, uh, what do we need to do to, to tweak that? Uh, that that's outstanding. Cause I, I know you having retired yourself probably for years thought, you know, who, who made this policy? Do they, do they know what, what the impact is on our level? Uh, so it's great to see. Uh, that our senior leaders are taking a more active role in, in really getting out there and paying attention to what's going on in the community and how the policies are impacting. So that, that's that's huge. Um, Especially really internationally, right? To be able to get out internationally like that to the international uh, exp expat community, right? That's abroad that are retired service. That's fantastic. So once again, we're coming to the end. We, we could easily talk hours with you on pre and post retirement um we're gonna have a special 40 part series just with mark <laughs> um, to really outline everything for, for the community which will be great but um in closing what is it that you would like because we, we got your one you know key focus for the pre-retirement what about post-retirement what is something that you really want all soldiers as they move into retirement to uh think about or do uh, I, I would I would like them to understand and to try to uh, achieve the the mission statement for our retired community, which is to hire 
and inspire. Uh, we really do need you. Um, you know, if, if you just want to retire and be quiet, that's fine. You can do that. We're not going to stop you from doing that. Um, but we, we really need your help. Um, retired soldiers live in, in towns all across the country. The retired soldier might be the only person, only military person, uh, that, that some Americans interact with. And so that's important. Less than 7% of Americans are now veterans. And so those that are veterans, it, it, we have to step up and we have to talk about what it is we did, why we did it, and what it did for us. That's, that's huge. That's powerful. That's definitely a, a bomb drop right there. Um, Mark, personally, I'd like to thank you as someone going through the process. Um, the, the policies that you've worked hard to put in place and, and the processes you have so far have been absolutely wonderful. What day are you coming down to Stewart? I will be at Stewart the 15th, I think it is, 15th of ah. September. All right, I'll be in Jacksonville on my Hiring Our Heroes Fellowship, so I'll miss you. But one of these times, hopefully I'll catch you and we can do lunch or something uh, when you come down this way. Absolutely. Um, I appreciate your time. appreciate your knowledge. Uh, absolutely amazing. Um, and, and I love what you're doing. I think we have a really good program in place, uh, especially from someone who got to see my dad go through the Navy process years ago and, you know, just the growth we've had in general. Um, but then also what you're specifically doing for the Army, I think, is, is great. So um, thank you for what you do. Uh, Mark, you got any closing comments? Well, you're both Mark. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which, which Mark? <laughs> Mark Elder, do you have any <laughs> No, I, I think it's great. Um, fantastic to have you on as a, as a direct link, right, to the active programs um, that the, the branch is doing. I, I think that you guys are um, not only, right, are you actively engaged with what's going on currently, but it sounds like you guys are forward thinking and visionaries, right, on new programs and things that need to be done. So. Man, kudos to you. Thank you for joining. Well, I appreciate the opportunity today to, you know, to reach out to your audience. I mean, this is part of what I do. And, and, uh, and so it's, it's great what you guys are doing to, to convey this uh, and help people to, with their transitions. Thank you. And hopefully we can keep getting the word out. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Vet SOS show. Remember, don't drown the sea of transition. Grab the Vet SOS lifeline. Mark, appreciate it and look forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much, Mark. Right. Thanks.